We who are about to die salute you. Everybody, this is Chris, and it's Monday, which means it's Mori Tori. Welcome to episode two of Mori Tori Mondays here at the Chris and Reggie channel. You can find this program most Mondays for the next many Mondays here at chrisandreggie.com, chrisandreggie.podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play, all those places that noise exists. Uh, we want to thank everyone for the response to last week's episode. It was uh, it was something, all right. It's uh, some good stuff. Uh, any thoughts on that, uh, Chris? No, man. It was it was really something. I got to say, I really, really enjoyed the uh, the first episode. It seems like a lot of our listeners did as well. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to jumping in to uh, see what happens to our moratory uh, process guys here today as they enter the garden. This should be interesting. They do enter the garden. And since we don't really have too much of a uh, introduction this time, we've already set the table. If uh, If you haven't heard the first episode... We do lay everything out, including how we uh, came to discover this property and uh, what we felt when we first experienced it. So uh, for all that information, you can just pop back to the first episode. For this episode, though, uh, it's just a continuation of the first story arc. So there's nothing really to nothing really to lay out. So we're just going to hop right into the garden. And uh, this one, and I don't know if we mentioned uh, the creative team last time. That was a no, we, just, uh, we failed to mention. But we will do better now, and uh, from this point on. Uh, written by Peter B. Gillis, uh, penciled by Brent Anderson, inks with, by Scott Williams, lettered by Jim Novak, colored by Max Scheel, edited by Carl Potts, and edited in chief by our man, Jim Shooter. Yes, sir, Mr. Jim Shooter. Thank mm-hmm. you, Jim. Where yes, are you yes. in 2019? Save us, Jim. We don't deserve him. We, <laughs> we do not. We, we do not deserve him. He is the man we need, but not the one we deserve, because uh, <laughs> we did this to ourselves. Now, this this story opens uh, with our with our Mori Tori team watching something called Heart World. Oh boy! Just think a sci-fi soap opera, and this is it's a weird thing because it kind of blends actual news video under like a fic, fictitious narrative. So it's like. <laughs> It's oh, drama, Chris. but it's real. I just found this hilarious. It's like they're literally watching a soap opera about love during the Horde yes. invasion. <laughs> and, I mean, the narration is just hilarious. It's like, tonight's episode, the chrysanthemum and the sword. Brad, <laughs> I can hardly say this. Brad's unit is caught in the Horde slaving raid on Osaka. As thousands of miles away, Sarah is confronted with secrets that Brad had hoped she'd never discover. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, the show was like, like you said, it was a blending of news video and studio fiction. So it's literally reality TV before yes. reality TV was cool. <laughs> so, I mean, just just picture this. Imagine on NBC, uh, ABC tonight. Tonight, The Bachelor at 9.30, followed by a special episode of Heart World. Oh, yes. good Lord. <laughs> now, uh, you know, I, you don't – I feel bad for Brad. You don't want your unit to get caught in the hood. 
that's just not good. Um, <laughs> you know, seeing stuff like <laughs> unit safety is important, people. Very, very, very close to home. Um, now this makes me think of like uh, if if anybody out there has watched Twin Peaks, they have a. Uh, they have like this invitation to love uh, soap opera that is like totally like hackneyed and cliche and and they play little bits of it and it'll, it'll usually just be the uh, the like the, the narration blurb where it'd be like tonight on such and such and th- this reminded me of that like immediately but uh, also the uh, Keith Giffen take on uh, the battle royale manga. Uh, uh-huh. Keith Giffen was the uh, translator, or he was the adapter, I guess, because uh, I don't know that he can translate Japanese. But he did adapt the story to be an actual, more of a reality television competition. So if you're familiar with Battle Royal, Battle Royale, kids are put on an island, high school kids are put on an island, and the last one live wins. And it's sort of like a lottery, you know, like like this is. But uh, it'd it be on television, and uh, the people behind it were interested in ratings, and they would – if there was someone they wanted off the show, they would find creative ways to get that person off the show because they weren't driving ratings. And if there was someone they wanted to keep on the show because they were bringing viewers, they found ways to keep them on the show. So just a, a little asides that uh, that this kind of reminded me of here. But uh, Aileen interrupts the viewing party by showing off her new Strike Force Moritori costume. Oh, boy. This should this should be a sign. It is gaudy as hell, and it looks not unlike you know Jerry Seinfeld's puffy shirt. It's got like <laughs> it's got the puffy shirt element to it. It's it's not oh, great. Man. It, it you know what it reminds me of <laughs> reminds me of like a a figure skating uniform like not not a good one like a cheap <laughs> one like a twenty dollar job because you know you couldn't you couldn't afford the good one so you got this one that's what it's like now I will say that the rest of the moratory uh, you know the other recruits are dressed in what I would call Star Trek one to motion picture style costumes and they're known for being terrible Chris I will tell you that okay. uh, so you know they're they're like a muted pastel and and a gray it just, it just doesn't go well I mean it looks hideous if I'm being honest so plus you have the moratory symbol which is the only thing that's saving the entire costume if you ask me and it sort of looks like a black end of like i don't know the united nations logo and the united federation of planets so i, I don't i don't know just an awkward design it, it is it's it's not uh not too striking and, and it is striking in the, in the same way but uh you know she says that the commander recommended that they design individual costumes because individual costumes would come across better on television which uh, is kind of a sobering thought isn't it well, I mean, you think about reality TV as it is today. I mean, uh, you know, when you look at heroes, basically characters and individuality, mm-hmm. that's what's important. I mean, I'm a huge wrestling fan. It's no secret. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the reason why we remember certain wrestlers from our childhood was because, you know, they had a unique gimmick. Sure. Where, you know, we remember certain shows from our childhood because the characters had a gimmick. Happy Days had the Fonz. The A-Team had Mr. T as B.A. Baracus. We remember them. Because they were unique gimmicks and they stand out. So, the, you know, the moratory are basically, you know, a media stunt show that the government is fighting back against the horde. And they're just basically figureheads on the coin. They're basically yeah. the government's social media darlings. They're put out there as the human face of war. So just something that the people, you know, that can get behind, almost like a sign of hope. Exactly. And then, like, you think about, like, uh, what was the, the original 12 G.I. Joes? You know, oh, yes, I they had them all. all looked exactly the same, you know, uh, the, well, there was, there was like a couple variations. Ones. You had like ones that look like um, 
you know, Commander Hawk, who came sure, with the missile sure. set. There was like a set that looked like him, and then you had Grunt, and the only couple different ones were Stalker and Scarlet and Snake Eyes. Outside Snake of that, Eyes. the other yeah. ones were clones. Just green-shirted, you know, different heads, <laughs> but green shirts, and that was it. it there were grunts, literally. Yes. <laughs> now, now, considering that these kids are infusing themselves with a death sentence so they can fight back the alien hordes, the people in charge still want to use them to garner ratings for their soap opera. And, of course, Absolutely. as such, they want each character to be identifiable at a glance. And, uh, you know, just like G.I. Joe, think about the Strike Force Moritori branded action figures, you know? Yeah. <laughs> You want them to all look. You want them to all look different. You want to be able to see them from an aisle away. You want to make sure that you know when a kid goes into that store that they know that they're different, that they're not buying the same figure. So you got to make them stand out. Why you know you can't buy one without having the other. You need the complete set. Yeah, just just look at Harold's comic book collection. He he doesn't he doesn't know what <laughs> different things look like. <laughs> see, that's the whole problem, kids. <laughs> variety, variety. It's true. Now, the program is interrupted by an actual news report, and this is the PNN network in Osaka. There, the hordes have raided and abducted a large number of hostages, and something called a high dive is currently in progress. Now, the high dive is pretty damn gruesome, and it's quite an effective way for the horde to remind the Earthlings that they are not here to mess around. Now, the gist of the high dive is they fly into orbit, and push their human hostages out of the airlocks one at a time. Each person burns up on re-entry, and as they come crashing down toward Earth, they look not unlike shooting stars to the people below. Oh boy, this is like the modern-day equivalent of like, you know, an ISIS terrorist video or something, where a captive yeah. is, you know, killed on full display to the public on TV. This is horrible. You know, the horde—they're sadistic killers, and they're, you know, they're taking a proverbial urination on the hopes and dreams of Earth. You know, with the shock and awe tactics, and you know, these performances are, you know, set up to scare people to death with such, you know, horrific deaths. I mean, if you—oh my God, this—that's oh. brutal. That's brutal. Yeah, there—it's like a theatrical element to it, and it's just so brutal. It's uh. Yeah, that that's rough, and uh, it's it's so weird that it's so symbolic. You have these falling stars, you know, and I've never seen anything like it before. Like you look at it, and it looks like an archetypical sort of a thing, but I've never seen anything like it before, and it's just masterfully done um, by the by the creators, of course, not the horde. Absolutely, we don't, we don't like the horde. Uh, <laughs> now, now the cadets hear one of their jets powering up, and then almost immediately powers back down. Turns out that Robert couldn't take it anymore, and he was planning to head over to Osaka. Oh, well, you know, Commander Neon, she didn't see the value in such a move, and she claims that to do so would only be throwing his life away for nothing. Uh, if you were, you know, with us with episode one, you'd know that these guys went and tried to do the same thing again. Yeah. So when a horde attack happened in issue one, all the recruits got together and they busted out of their, you know, their little containment cell, bunker. Yeah, their, yeah. their containment bunker. And they, they went ahead and tried to take on the horde themselves. Of course, with, uh, with mixed cons- mixed consequences, we'll say now again, Robert tries to do the same thing. So clearly these new recruits didn't didn't get the message early on when Commander Neon was badgering him about disobeying orders. So, you know, this, you know, I don't know something about Robert. He's, you know, he's the big dorky musclehead character and probably the weakest of the group at this point. But yeah. his character will get a little bit better along the way, though. That's yeah. that's good. Good old Joe Piscopo. Um, <laughs> next up, we finally meet some of the aliens and uh, 
I tell you what, they're they're the lettering they use for their dialogue ain't ain't the best. <laughs> ain't well, the best. I, I think the horde font should be like a downloadable thing. <laughs> I think the, <laughs> the funny stuff, funny thing about the lettering is that they, you know, it's it's basically. I mean, it's proper English lettering. They just make slight yeah. alterations to the letters, which makes it seem alien-like. It's really strange. It's it's really something to look at. The only letters that are, like, super stylized are the A's, which, you know, they sort of resemble, like, a triangle yeah. instead of a traditional A. And you get C and G, which is – just imagine if you tried to draw a C and G with a ruler. That's exactly what you'd get. Yeah, so, like the S is kind of like just like three lines, kind of. It's it's weird. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it's just just imagine you know writing your alphabet with a straight edge ruler every single <laughs> every yep. single character, and that's what you'd get. But uh, just but check at it a out. glance, it, at, yeah, yeah, at a glance, you'd you'd recognize it as as perfect English. <laughs> yeah, it looks, but it does look alien like though. I will yeah. give them credit for that. Absolutely, Absolutely. and still readable. So they hit it right out of the park. Hmm. Now back at the base, Harold and Robert work out in. Oh. Tidy <laughs> oh. or, or they're tidy greenies actually oh. uh, they're, they're just they're in their drawers working out oh, um, <laughs> to lima and neon watch them from the monitors because they are dirty perverts and the uh, the doc is worried that without pop proper stimuli their actual <laughs> powers won't develop in time for them to be of actual use to the strike force so before they actually become superheroes they're afraid they're gonna burn out <laughs> I, I don't know if there's a more homoerotic scene in an 80s comic than this. These it's, guys, these these guys yeah. are acting so casual. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, I would never walk into to a gym in just my underwear yeah. and work out and just be confident around other guys. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe the rest of the world just loves doing that. But these guys are so casual. They're working out in in pairs of large green briefs with a yep. giant yellow waistband with an M on it. I guess that stands for moratoria, I guess. But I mean, but I mean, just the way the artist renders them with the huge smiles and the affectionate looks on her face just made me burst out laughing. I don't know whether it was intentional or not. The scene just comes off. I don't, I don't know, really weird. And I'm, and I'm not mocking sexuality. It's just hysterically rendered for a workout scene, yeah. you know. I don't know if they were trying to set up some extra diversity early on or what. I don't know, but this scene is uh, is uh, uncomfortable. I, it's, I think it's something to behold. It's definitely yes. something to look at. We'll, we'll, I, I I leave my shirt on when I work out. I don't know. Uh, I'm just saying. I leave my shirt on in the pool. So. <laughs> <laughs> Amen, brother. Uh, now back to the story. Uh, they decide to. Uh, this is the doctor and uh, and Neon. They decide to place these recruits in a quote pressure cooker. And the pressure cooker is known as the garden, and this is to force them to meet their fullest moratory potential. Mm, this looks like uh, something we've seen before. I don't think the danger room idea is, uh, you know, anything at all new in comics at all. Yeah. You know, it's one, of the, it's one of the very few recycled items in this book overall, because, I mean, they do a good job of doing a lot of unique stuff here. But, sure. you know, we've seen many training simulators you know, in comic books. And the one that struck me most recently, which reminds me of this, uh, Seth MacFarlane has a TV show called The Orville. So I don't know if you've ever seen that before, Chris. No. But So basically it's uh, it's Star Trek done right. So it harkens back to the original style of Star Trek. It's basically, you know, a crew on a spaceship, you know, uh, on, a, on a voyage, you know, through space. So mm -hmm. in episode one, season 10, there's an episode called Firestorm. And you see something very similar where one of the uh, the officers, Alara Catan, actually faces her fears in what's called an environmental simulator. And it's very, very reminiscent of the garden. Oh, how about that? 
No, no. Uh, the uh, the doc and the commander here they they realize and appreciate that that doing this, putting them in this pressure cooker, is dangerous. You know, and uh, we learn here that the original Black Watch, the ones that star in uh, Harold's comic book, we only saw three <laughs> members, right? We saw yeah, absolutely. What Cliff, Clint, Woody, Woody. And Clint, Woody, and the other guy, uh, <laughs> dead. Yes, they're all dead. But uh, we only saw those three members. But the Black Watch was originally a squad of five. And Bruce, you see all... Bruce is the third guy. There he is. There he is. And all five of these guys entered the garden. But only three actually survived the the experience. Um, so this is very, very dangerous. So Yikes. we jump ahead several days later to uh, the time where the strike force arrives at what appears to be just an ordinary farm, which, you know, no surprise, actually has an elevator to take them 300 feet underground. And uh, <laughs> that's a long way underground. I don't know if anyone has, uh, you know. Has gone down that far. Capacity, yeah. Yeah, I've been in a mine before, but you know that that's fairly far down, folks. <laughs> now this, of course, is the garden, and the, all the cadets are wearing odd body suits with high collars, Ooh. and uh, it looks like those collars might be uncomfortable because uh, none of them will shut up about how uncomfortable it is, and they <laughs> keep rubbing their necks. Oh man, this whole series is just plagued with just awful costume design. I don't know. I, I guess it's the sign of the times, but the high-colored yeah. look is just another example of you know a fashion violation. <laughs> I mean, the '80s were bad enough with the hair and acid-washed jeans, but the poor moratory. I mean, what are they supposed to be? Is this what we're supposed to expect in the future? Is this what you know we're supposed to be in the year 2000s? I'm I, I'm glad that fashion changed along the way, though, and that we didn't end up with the big high collars and you know. Ridiculous! Oh boy, the puffy color. We we don't want to look like skating with the stars, folks. Is all I can oh. say, and that's what these people are. <laughs> no, this is like a uh, like the stuff that the the Legion of the Superheroes Legion of Superheroes wouldn't wear. You know, this is oh, this is their castaways, and that <laughs> that covers a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, these are the ones that would get the the thumbs down. Um, <laughs> now they the, uh, the 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 crew they're told that this is a training exercise. And they're ordered not to help one another should any danger arise. And and as mentioned, this is like a super deadly version of the X-Men's Danger Room. So just consider that's what this is. Now, to put a little little spin on that here, we have Lorna walking past some bushes, and uh, she nearly gets burnt to a crisp by a hidden plasma jet. So the garden ain't messing around. Nope. Lewis walks through the tall grass, and he notices a sensor. After destroying said sensor, he becomes overcome by a toxic gas. Robert hears Jolene scream, and he finds her wrapped in snakes. He tries to help her. Hmm? That's something you don't see in a long time. You don't see snakes very often as, like, a weapon anymore. No, you don't. It's a lost art. But anyway. We need the snakes, the quicksand, and we'll be all all good with the things that I thought were going to kill me when I was a kid. Uh, Now, Robert tries to help her, which is a no-no, and is burned by microwaves. And a cell winds up closing around Jaylene. Harold follows what he believes to be Lorna's voice, but it turns out to be a cockatoo bird with a speaker around its neck. Oh, of course. I mean, the old cockatoo around with the speaker around his neck trick. Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is just strange. If you were writing a story, where in the world would you come up with <laughs> a cockatoo as a prop in a scene? <laughs> like, how, how would that even come to you? Seriously. Maybe Brent Anderson is a cockatoo fan. It could be. It could be. Uh, I'll leave that right where that is. <laughs> now, Harold finds himself caught in a web of lasers. 
Ah, nothing like the classic web of lasers. It's slowing true. down the heroes for decades, man. And matter what comic your book you're reading, uh, you know, and killing almost nobody. I mean, when's the last time you've seen somebody killed with a, like a laser grid? It just just doesn't happen. It never happens. Yeah. And you think you know, and you think moratory security would be aware of this fact, you know, that the this this protects nobody or nothing. So move on from the laser grid. Maybe maybe they've only read one comic book too. <laughs> they don't know. Very true. They don't very have true. the uh, they don't have the empirical data to to follow up on. <laughs> now, uh, our man Harold here, he starts to think that the uncomfortable collar that he's wearing might actually be drugging him, making him feel all hyper and crazy. Ooh. And he doesn't feel that this is the right way to test the teammates, team members here to you know whatever they're testing them for because I don't know that they know. Now. We rejoin Aileen and Commander Neon, who are monitoring the entire affair. Remember, Aileen has her powers. Um, now, this is where Neon informs Aileen that this is actually not a test. So this is the real deal, folks. Harold comes across Lewis, who is paralyzed and can hardly speak. Lewis is indeed so paralyzed that he looks to be crying from the side of his face. <laughs> it's, uh, it's pretty weird. He seems to be... Uh, he seems to be trying to help, and then he runs off. So yep. uh, uh, Lewis is probably very pleased, I guess. Uh, uh, <laughs> all he can muster is that he doesn't want to die, which is uh, probably you know, something you'd say if that's the only thing you could say. Uh, Harold continues on, and he finds Lorna. And he warns that the test, that the, the test is not on the up and up. And he suggests that uh, perhaps the Horde had gotten to Commander Neon. So maybe Neon's a mole. She's a heel. Yeah. She's a heel, a heel. and uh, <laughs> Lorna takes offense to the very idea, and she backhands Harold. <laughs> oh, boy. Boy, does Harold ever take a solid backhand to his he face. He does. <laughs> Man, his face even looked burned after the fact. I was thinking about how this book wraps up. Do you think that, you know, this particular strike factors into this uh, – this whole altercation we see a little bit later on with the boss. Is he taking out his, uh, his previous his aggressions, aggressions a little bit later? <laughs> Displaced hmm. aggression? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> now, as Lorna backhands our man, Harold, her moritory powers activate. So, hey, we, we're one for one so far. Uh, now, back at command, Aileen tries to get Neon to end this exercise, uh, but she refuses. And because, you know, results are actually showing up here. She says it's happening. Why should we stop now? Back inside, Lewis tries to, to fight off his paralysis, and suddenly his eyes begin to glow, and he feels as though his body is on fire. Bada-bing, bada-boom, his moritory power activates. Boy, it's all coming down. It's coming down. It's, it is. We're two for two. Now, Harold meets up with Robert, and they see Jaylene is still covered in snakes and in a cell. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the story of this character by the way this yes. character is eternally trapped or crying about something she's a sad sack yeah <laughs> now uh they grab some debris and they proceed to pound on this cell in order to free their teammate at which time look at that both of their moritory powers activate so we're four for four back at command aileen continues to plead with neon to call this off She's worried that Jaylene's powers will not activate the same way as the others, and this whole endeavor will just wind up killing her. Oh, man, let's pause for the cause for a second. It's bad enough that Commander Beth Neon is not stopping the whole garden deal, but Aileen is just standing by watching her friends being close to close to being killed. She doesn't step in either, so she's just as just as, as fault as, I mean, as, you know, as Commander Beth. I mean, holy cow. She, she's already shown us that she can break through doors, and she's yeah, not this, doing it. This girl can melt shit. 
Yeah, there's nothing is happening. I don't understand. <laughs> and she's standing there just pleading, please stop, please. No, no, don't. Don't no. hurt them. Oh, now we God. hop back inside the garden where Harold is just screaming for this test to be stopped. Neon briefly pauses, maybe, just maybe having some second thoughts, but ultimately decides to ignore her gut feelings, and uh, this test must continue. Harold is somehow able to sense where Neon is watching from, and so he springs from the garden and through the window to the monitoring room, and get this, he lands with his hand wrapped around the commander's throat. He's got amazing accuracy, that man. He does. He calls her a murderer, and he accuses her of being in the Horde's pocket. All of this while he is just beating the hell out of her. Oh, man, this this uh, particular beatdown, this is really something to see. This would certainly raise the ire of the PC police in 2019, I will tell you that. I mean, Harold is just wailing away on the commander unmercifully. I yeah. mean, this this is a beating the likes of which you've never seen. It it just feels unusual. I mean, in today's era, you, yeah, yeah, you you don't you don't get to see this. I mean, this is an aggressive beatdown, you know, of a woman in a comic book. Yeah, he and you know, her against the wall. The the the, uh, the punches that you get whack, whack, oh, whack. Yeah, they they created a sound effect for the beating and everything. <laughs> I mean, it was stretching the boundaries at the time, but man, even more so now. I mean, this is one to see, folks. It's it's a brutal beatdown for sure. Uh, now, on the monitors, we can see that in the interim here, Jaylene's moratory powers actually finally activate. Well, it's about time. Isn't it? But Harold don't care. He's not even paying <laughs> attention at this point. He's, He's too busy wailing away. Whacking. And, uh, <laughs> he reels back for another punch, but now he is stopped by Robert. Joe Piscopo for the save. He's holding Jaylene and he informs his partner that, hey, everything's okay now. Harold just begins to weep and he apologizes to Neon for believing her to be one of the baddies. Neon in return also apologizes because... Ah, she comes clean. She, I'll give her this much. She's honest. She says if Jaylene's powers hadn't activated, she was fine with letting her die in the garden. God, yeah, <laughs> Beth Neon. You know, Beth Neon reminds me of a swim instructor I had as a kid. I was, I was just learning to swim. We were, it wasn't, it was, it wasn't even a pool. It was like an outdoor stream that was pretty deep, and he had this large hole where every, where there was a diving board. So. We had learned basic strokes, okay? I mean, barely, ba I mean, just barely to keep your head above water. So we we're all gathered around this diving board. Then she takes me and throws me into the hole. <laughs> it was like, fend for yourself. I'm if like, he dies, he dies. I know. This was like uh, Beth Neon all over again. <laughs> I mean, I survived my diving board experience clearly because I'm here. I have no legs, people. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, if anyone having second thoughts about the moratory process, <laughs> right now would be the time. This is And this is only training. This is just training. Yikes. This, is, this isn't even boot camp yet. This is just yeah. getting the powers activated. Now, the issue ends with Commander Neon com congratulating the team on passing. And they're being given uh, their soap opera-friendly costumes and uh, assigning themselves superhero code names. Well, Lorna, yeah, Lorna is now Snapdragon, and she has the power of plasma bursts. Uh, you know, it's pretty generic powers. Uh, every team needs an energy blast character, I guess. Right. So, you know, <laughs> Lorna, I don't know, her name sort of... I mean, some of these names are really outdated. I mean, Lorna sounds like one of my childhood hairdressers. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know... She's the uh, she's the only one on the team who has like 
legit female sex appeal. So outside of dudes wearing green underwear to work out, she's the only eye candy for for dudes or uh, or other ladies. So there you mm-hmm. go. Now Lewis is now radion or radian, and he can emit irradiation and uh, sort of looks like a, a disco nightmare, doesn't he? Oh man, uh, funny you say that because it. I used to love drawing as a kid, and I must have ripped off Raiden's look on plenty of my childhood characters. They all look like giant high-collar disco jumpsuit guys with huge arm sleeves. <laughs> so, you know, it's a super 80s design, but, you know, he is sporting the uh, the Magnum PI, uh, you know, mustache, so that'll give him an extra 80 points on my end. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, Aileen gives Jaylene the name Adept because she has the power to decipher and counter things. Oh, God, let's be honest here. Jaylene's power is, I think her power is being a liability to the team and crying. I think that's all that woman has. She's the uh, the Doug Ramsey of this team. She's Cypher. I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's, yeah, yeah, go go fight that giant robot. And go, go translate languages for it. I don't know. But, uh, you know, when I when I see Aileen here, I'm reminded of and I don't remember the name because it's been forever since I read the New Guardians. This whole this whole team, there there is like a new Gu- New Guardians feel to it, like that post millennium DC New Guardians oh, with yes. like Extraño and uh, oh. the the woman uh, the Aboriginal woman who uh, be like became one with the Earth. It, it, it I get like pangs of that when I see this. Yikes. But this is a uh, this is much better. This is much much better. Now Robert becomes Marathon, and he's suddenly like two feet taller than everyone else. He grew. Tell me, how does the size equate to his name Marathon? Was he like, was his character originally like a speedster, and they just changed their mind at the last minute and didn't change his name? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Mar- Marathon, you know, he sort of looks like burn era colossus to me you know there's oh, clear sure. x yeah there's definitely a clear x-men influence on this whole series in general but this character in general oh yeah he's got like the like the organic steel arms and stuff yes like, i mean yeah. this this is this is colossus man right there for sure for sure now harold our main man here he takes the name viking but with a y so v-y-k-i-n-g and he does so because his father is scandinavian and of course. Uh, yeah, why not? And his power has something to do with redirecting energy. <laughs> First off, um, who goes about naming their main character Harold? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. You know, who in 2019 names their kid that unless, you know, you got a relative in the past you're naming him after? <laughs> you know, anyway. Unless unless he goes by Hal. Oh, look at you. <laughs> look for the save. Christian really Hand is. for the save, everybody. <laughs> Uh, you know, Viking not only redirects energy, but he also has sensory control and, you know, he can sense things. This power, you know, probably would have been useful before they went to the garden. I'm just saying, yes. you know, Vi- Viking is probably the best suit out of the bunch, but I can't help but thinking he looks like he, you know, stepped off a Broadway ballet version of the Nutcracker or something. It's because, tr- like, you know, if you look at like the the new Teen Titans, like post Judas contract, you have like. You have like Donna Troy in a co- in a superhero costume. Starfire looks like a superhero. Nightwing yes. looks like a superhero. Then there's Jericho, and oh. he and he's wearing <laughs> the weirdest clothes. And I'm looking at this team here, and it's like, okay, hero, 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 Viking. What are you wearing? <laughs> it just looks odd. Uh, now, Aileen, she is Blackthorn, and as we saw last issue, she can cause things to melt and break apart. So. She's, uh, you know, she didn't have to go through the garden, but uh, she she did get herself a name. And she basically sat and watched them all almost die. So yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
We all have our fetishes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, uh, we were going to end this with the bullpen bulletins, but Marvel didn't change them. (laughs) They were the same as last month. So uh, uh, maybe somebody asleep at the wheel or maybe they just didn't release any new comics besides this one that month. uh, (laughs) Possible. (laughs) Now, for some things things we learned, uh, we learned that the garden is not unlike the danger room. And uh, the garden is real, though. It's a it's. The way to amp up power. So now we know if there is someone who took the process who is not exhibiting powers, there is a place they can go to have themselves jump started, whether they want to or not. So uh, <laughs> there's kind of no choice in the garden. It's true, but it's just more of that world building. You know, now we're getting more of what uh, this Moritori complex is all about. And, uh, I do appreciate that uh, that Neon said, you know, if she died, she died. You know, I think that's – it's very means to an end. It's very cold. Um, you can see she struggled with it. You know, oh, she, yeah, looks, she looks, you know, like she's lamenting the fact that she would have let it happen. But we don't know who she's answering to yet. You know, exactly. we, we don't know. And this does put a nice seed of doubt in, in a new reader's head, like – Okay, is she, is she with the horde? You know, or or is is someone she reports to with the horde? It's just it, it raises a lot of interesting questions, and uh, I just like that it's it, they're playing her as both human and as you know a spoke in the wheel. You know, she has to do what she's told to do because if she doesn't if she doesn't produce results, then it's gonna you know stuff rolls downhill. So she'd have to deal with something less pleasant on her end. So this is just, I just really like the way they did this. I, I like that there is a hierarchy and a, and like a chain of command here that they're, that they're sort of following. Yeah, uh, there'll, well, de- there'll definitely be some revelations on that end for sure. As we go on. Absolutely. But now what things did we learn that weren't Moritori related? Oh boy. Oh. A laser tag comes with all you see here. Remember, no batteries, though. Except for the star <laughs> helmet and the star vest. Now, so, the uh, star vest, boy, mm-hmm. you were playing laser tag when you had the star vest. The star oh, yeah. helmet, I mean, you looked like you were ready to kick some butt with the star vest and the star helmet. Mm-hmm. But again, if you didn't have anybody to play with, so you were sort <laughs> of uh, laser tagging by yourself, brother. So <laughs> it was kind of a lonely life as a laser tag player back on Christmas Day. Absolutely. They needed to do a star cycle so you can like yes. ride down the street with your with your sensors all over you. Yes, exactly. Now, uh, Gumby and Pokey, they they arrive in Gumdinger Land again. Oh, oh, oh! I think um, I think we got to make the revelation, Chris. I think uh, there there was there was yep. news flash news flash. Chris Sheehan has uncovered the second part of the Gumdinger Land ad for the comic books. Tell us all about it, Chris. Oh my goodness, it exists. There is Pandora's a box two. has been opened and an eight year old Chris has fainted away uh, because <laughs> he really wanted to know what happened after Gumby and Pokey landed in, in Gumdinger land. And it took it it took till I'm, um, you know, three months away from 40 to find it. And uh, <laughs> how, how was the revelation? Tell the tell the people. Oh, man, you know uh, this, you know, remember that amazing heroes thing with like the top 10 books in 1984? Yes, they had they didn't run it in 1986 because this would have won. I mean, this is just some of the best comics you'll ever read. And uh, man, I, I could I could I could die now. It's a it's, I, I it's see that it, it will be worth it now. Life life is complete. 
the sign me up complete. for the Mori Tori process. <laughs> I've seen it all. <laughs> I, I've peaked. It, it, it will never be better. I, I, I found out that. what happens when they get the Gumdinger Lance. So because life is Gumby and Pokey, ladies and gentlemen, it's very very important. It is. It is. It is. And never ever ever tell yourself anything different. Um, <laughs> we also learned that Spider Man needs your help. Yes, your help. Great. In Finally, free, he's admitted it. Yeah, he does. He, he he needs to free Captain Crunch from the Sogmaster. And this is very important to Spidey because he's offering a million dollars. Wait a minute. A million dollars from Captain Crunch? A, a million dollars from maybe from J. Jonah Jameson. Maybe it's – uh, I mean, who knows? I, I don't know how far this conspiracy goes, but he really, <laughs> he really wants Captain Crunch out of those uh, out of those bars here. And I don't know if you've ever seen this ad here where you have, like, Captain Crunch behind a brick wall and there's, like, cell bars in the window – I feel like this like was a story arc that lasted years. And I think back to my kid, my, when I think back to my childhood, I, I, I swear this is just something that Captain Crunch was in prison for a while. And, uh, but I don't know if anybody got the million dollars, which would be 2.3 million in today's dollars. That's a lot of money to save Good Lord. a uh, captain of a breakfast cereal. So. Man, it would be $45 billion if it was Canadian. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and, and worthless in American dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of money, did you know in 1982 coinage history was made? Whoa. Yeah, you, the I United States. Tell made. me. Tell me more. Okay. Uh, the quick and dirty is the United States Mint produced seven different pennies. And, and that's actually the long version, too. That's all it is. They, they produce seven <laughs> different pennies. So Amazing. Amazing. It's true. Big print, little print. Big Abe, little Abe. I don't know. Um, and also, uh, we learn on the very last page that anything is possible with a Yamaha DX100 synthesizer. But my question <laughs> to you is, do you think it would help you out in a laser tag tournament? Listen, all I will say, it can't hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Can you imagine uh, playing a game of laser tag and someone comes at you with a Yamaha DX100 synthesizer? It kind of steps your game up to the next level, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, yes, I, I would. Uh, I would. I would probably just get into the fetal position and cry like uh, like Jaylene. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I think I would just let my baggage out and I'd be done. Uh, I won't. I won't shoot you. I'll just play some Duran Duran. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well. If you have any laser tag hints or tips, or if you have all seven 1982 United States pennies, send us a message. All seven, every one of them. Well, actually, before we go to that, how about we uh, you give yourself some plugs? Oh, why not? I've I've, I've been plugged before. Uh, it's just as well to continue on. So you can find me on the Twitter. I'm Charlton underscore hero. You can find me and my retro ramblings on my uh, own little blog. It's called the Superhero Satellite, where you can talk about anything from wrestling, comic books, TV, movies, you name it. It's talked about there. Um, also, if you like what I write, you may like a few of my friends as well. The Superblog team up. Uh, hit hashtag Superblog team up, hashtag SBTU on the Twitter and find out all kinds of Superblogs all around the Internet that I'm sure you're going to love. And also, you can also find me over on the Radlich and Broadcasting Network. I do a TV party tonight with Mark Radlich as we talk about some wrestling, the best of wrestling events with the WWE, AEW, and everything in between. And, of course, you can find me here over on the Chris and Reggie Network. 
with Mr. Sheehan, and we're talking some Mori Tori. So there you go. That's Chris Bailey. There you are. There you are. And as as I was saying here, uh, if you do have all seven of those pennies, we want to see them. And uh, <laughs> you could send pictures to uh, weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. You can check out the website at chrisandreggie.com. We're also on uh, all those places where noise populates. Uh, you can check out my site at chrisoninfiniteearth.com. And if while you're there, you see anything you want to hear me talk about, I do that other show. So uh, let me know and I can uh, get that on the list. And also, if you're there, if you see something you'd like to talk about, let me know. And we'll see about getting you on to uh, to talk about something. I'm I'm notoriously bad about that. I'm I have a few people lined up and I've really let the ball drop. So uh, I really dropped the ball, I should have said. But I'm trying to get better and uh, get more people on. So stay tuned for that. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. Reggie is at Reggie Reggie, and the show si- the show handle is Cosmic T Mill. Um, I think that's about it. So uh, thank you all so much for hanging out. Uh, we hope you come back for episode three, where we look at get this issue three. And uh, so long for now. See ya. Right on. Keep sending those tweets and letters. Take care, everybody. Bye.